Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. My name is Kevin Sampson, as uh, Robbie said, and uh, I feel like I'm standing on holy ground right now. Um, it's great to be with you. Uh, um, I have, in a way, felt a, a, a part of uh, what God is doing here at Tri Village since before uh, it got started. I, um, uh, my wife and I and a team of people, we planted a church in West Chicago about four years ago. And part of that process, I tried to get Will to plant a church with me. Um, I talked to Hannibal, and he's like, yeah, yeah, see, yeah, see if he'll do it. He's talk, he talks about it. Anyway, Will wasn't ready, and then about six months later, he called me. He's like, hey, I think we're going we're gonna to start a new one. And, uh, and then uh, Robbie and Tia were a part of, of our church. And, uh, and then Robbie one day just said, look, Will needs a worship leader. I'm heading over there. And so uh, uh, it was just a privilege to be able to bless them and... Um, and to see, yeah, Robbie leading here and, and a part of what God is doing. Um, it's also great to be here because uh, uh, my grandfather is actually the, he's the oldest living Awana kid. Uh, he's in his 90s. And uh, when I told him I was pre- preaching at a church that's at the Awana building, my grandpa was finally like, all right, you're, you're somebody now. You're finally, you're finally doing something uh, of substance um, so it's great to, yeah, it's great to share these moments with you. Um, yeah, you guys are in the middle of this, uh, really this theme um, around the world and across the street. And uh, what I'm going to talk about this morning is really the across the street part. And uh, um, really, uh, 13 years ago, uh, I had, was overheard a conversation between some police officers and they were talking about um, a red zone. Uh, there was this neighborhood n- not far from where we lived. It was this pretty big apartment complex, and they referred to it as a red zone. And basically, it had the highest concentration of crime and, and poverty in the area. And so they began to, I just started to ask questions, began to describe it to me, and, and, uh, and so I just started hanging out over there. The police had an after-school program at the time, and, and so I just started to help and as I got to see what was going on there, it really was a place where um, you saw the influence of gangs. Uh, you saw um, families coming from difficult situations, some from places around the world, uh, with very little community or family support. Uh, there was a whole lot of um, stuff going on. It wasn't really the kind of place that you, you want to live. But, but as uh, we started to get involved, just helping with kids, um, with homework after school, uh, more people from the church that I was a part of at the time started to, to get involved too. And then I began to see over the course of a couple years, uh, some other churches started to get involved. And that was when Puente got going over there at, at Timberlake Apartments. And then, um, then this couple bought the whole complex, um, and they were Christians, and they made it their mission to, to really not just manage this place successfully, but really manage it in a way that they really express the mercy and the kindness and, and the love of Jesus Christ uh, throughout this place. And really what we began to see eight years later, since the first time I was there, the police declared it a green zone. And the place had become different. And and people had moved in intentionally, and there were all these just great things that were going on, but the one thing that was clear more than ever that was making a difference in this place was, was good neighbors. And so for the first time, I began to see just the power of being a good neighbor. And so what I want to talk about this morning is that it is really the power that, 
that God influences lives, God changes lives, and he changes entire communities through good neighbors with the gospel in their hands. That's the way that God does it. And my prayer this morning is that as we walk out of here, uh, that you will, one, that you will just, you'll somehow fall more in love with Jesus. Uh, but somehow that love of Christ will, will just begin to overflow out of your life into the people around you because God wants to do something through your life. He wants to do it because you're a good neighbor. Just be, he has you where you're at. He wants to use you right there. I just want to do a quick little survey. Uh, how many people um, have, you just take a moment, just think about who is the person that uh, led you to Christ or uh, is the most influential person in your life? Just take a moment and, and, and think about that. I do this a bunch and I hope you guys don't mess it up. Um, so now, let me ask you, I mean, if you're not a Christian, who's the most influential person in your life? And if you are a Christian, who led you to Christ? And if it was a friend a family member, a neighbor, or a coworker, or someone around you like that, raise your hand. Your mom. All right, yeah, look around. Hold on, keep your hands up. Look around. What I want you to see is that God uses good neighbors. He uses people who are around you. Look, how many people uh, were most influenced or came to Christ through a preacher? One, two, three. Yeah. It doesn't bode well for us preachers. Um, <laughs> so don't tune out, but I, yeah, we got something to say. But we're really, what I want you to see is I'm also a good neighbor too, so uh, I got some influence there. Um, but I just want you to see is that, look, don't, don't hand over the, this, this incredible ministry that God has for you to the preacher. Look, God wants to use you, you, where you're at, whatever circumstances are going on in your life, he wants to use you. So we're going we're gonna to follow along, follow along with me. We're going to read from uh, John chapter 20, verse 19. If you have a Bible, open it up. I think it'll be up here on the screen. You can pull it up on your phone. Verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were all together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands, he showed them his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So we pray for us. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we long to see you. We long to really step into uh, this ministry that you have for all of us. And so Lord, help us to really grab a hold of, of you in, in this great life and in this, this really God-given influence that you've given each and every one of us. So we love you and we trust you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so there's really three things that I want us to see this morning from this text that I think really have so much to do with good neighboring. The first is a new world. The second is overflowing peace. And then the third thing is the mission of God and the power that you have. 
So the first thing I want us to see is this, there's this new day, and really what this means is there's a whole new world. In John chapter, chapter 20, it's, it's really right on the heels of Jesus' resurrection. And, and, and as Jesus enters into this room, he, he says, look, it, it's on the evening of the first day of the week. So when John writes that, what, what he's saying is really, it is really the dawn of this whole new creation. That Jesus' resurrection is this beginning of this process of God invading and God renewing the world all around us. And in fact, really, the whole book of John is this new creation, whole new world narrative. And you see this in the book of Genesis. It's a creation story. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created, and it goes through these seven days or seven time periods of of creation. And and John begins with these words, um, in the beginning. Because John is wanting us to hear that, look, there is a creation that took place, and now there is a new creation in Jesus Christ that is starting to take place. And you see throughout the book of John that there's, it's kind of, the narrative is shaped around these seven signs or these seven miracles, and it's climaxing really in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and where we see on the sixth day, on Friday, Jesus is crucified on the cross. And then on the seventh day, Jesus rests in the tomb. And this is the sign that the old creation is passing. And then on the next day, the eighth day, the very first day of the new week, Jesus is raised from the dead. And it's this whole, this reality that there is this new world that is breaking into the world that we live into in now. And it's happening all around us. Uh, a number of years ago, I made the mistake of taking my family to Disney World. We... My wife and my kids love Disney World. I'm just not a big fan of theme parks. And that's just, you can't avoid them there. Uh, we have some friends that live nearby, so it like made it almost affordable. And, and we're actually going again in a couple weeks. And I'm like, what? What are we doing? But we're, so we go to Disney World. Now, yeah, I'm not a big fan. But as we walk into one of the parks, you know, I've got a couple sons and, and uh I'm walking with my oldest son to the, into the kind of the Star Wars area. And look, I'm a, I'm a, I grew up with Star Wars, and I like that. So we're walking in there, and I'm starting to see these posters and these, you know, these statues and, and these planets, and, and it's starting to look like Tatooine around where we're going. And as we, we go to this ride, and there's actually a, um, Jedi training. We see Darth Vader and this whole group of young people that are getting this Jedi training, I'm sure it costs their parents a, their college education. But, and I was like, son, just watch that. But don't, you don't want to do that. And so we walked by, and, and I'm starting to get into this. And we get on this ride, and, and the, the people on the ride, they don't say uh, um, Mr. or Sir. They call me a Jedi. Welcome, Jedi. So I'm like, yeah, I am. And I, I get on this ride. Get on the ride. Turns out, look, the force just dominates the dark side. I had a huge part of it. And uh, I get off, and, and, and Disney is, I mean, they're just, they're, they're geniuses. And they, like, I'm hooked into this whole world. And as you get off the ride, you can't help, but you have to walk through their, uh, the, like, souvenir shop. 
So I'm like fired up. Uh, my son, who's with me, he's fired up, and he comes to these little like Lego things, and he's like, "Dad, can I make? Can I buy one? And and can we make one?" And I'm like, "Yeah, totally. Let's do it." And then like so like we're making them. We got two of them, and and we're walking away, and I'm like, "What is? How much did that cost?" It was fifty bucks a piece for these two little things, and it was too late. Like the kid had it in his hand, and he's just. And, uh, and, and honestly, part of me loved it. So, so, so why, <laughs> why am I telling you this? Because look, that there, is this, there is this world that is invading our space all around us. And this isn't a world that's full of smoke and mirrors and planet, fake planets and lifesavers. It's real. And it is powerful, and it's loving, and it's challenging, and it is full of grace, and full of mercy, and full of justice, and full of provision. And until you are captivated by what God is doing, by this new creation work that God has begun in Jesus Christ, until that begins to captivate you, look, good neighboring just is about being good. I mean, and you will never engage in this incredible ministry of good neighboring with the gospel in your hands if, you don't, if you're not just captivated by what God is doing. This is so important because, look, if it's not about what God is doing, uh, it, it, it's not about Jesus and this, this incredible work that he's doing. It ends up becoming about you. And when it's about you, it, it starts to show up and in strange ways, and there's usually two that I see most often. And the first one, you get like a savior complex. I mean, you think you know what's best for other people, and look, maybe you do, but you begin to do it in a way that's condescending or um, self-promoting, and, it, and you begin to do it in a way that just, it's about you, where you begin to elevate yourself. And I, I hear these things Quite often, I hear people say, um, I've heard them actually say to people who are in poverty, I've heard them say, oh, it feels good to help poor people. Look, it, it, look maybe it does, but, but when you begin to say things like that, you're starting to um, elevate, you're starting to make it about yourself. Another way you see this is that you see when you try to extend generosity or you try to help someone and it just doesn't work out the way that you thought it would work out. They, they just don't do uh, what you had hoped they would do. And you end up frustrated. And you end up angry. And in those moments when you begin to see that happen, that's a moment where remind yourself, like, look, that's, that's a savior complex. And so you can end up in a savior complex or you can just end up stuck. And this is because of insecurity uh, because of fear, it just leads to inaction. And so you just, you want to be engaged. You want to love your neighborhoods. Uh, but, but you just, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to do it. And, and when you just get stuck like that, it, it's become about you. Really, you just don't know what to do. And you've made it about yourself rather than God. And some signs that you, you know you're stuck is you start asking uh, the question, How? How, how do I do this? How, how do I do this? And, and that's a good question, but when you, when you keep asking it, 
day after day after day, and you take no steps, you're stuck. Look, the way that the kingdom of God works, the new creation works, it's by faith. And so you can ask how, and then you got to take a step. And then, look, this is the power of God that's at work in the world. It's not your power. And then you're going to ask how again. You're not going to know what to do. You're going to be in situations. You're going to be in circumstances that you're, are going to be new all the time. And you're going to have to ask how. And if you don't, you don't get the right answer, you're going to get stuck. And so you got to walk by faith. And God just shows you what he needs to show you to take the next step. Another thing we do is it, that gets us stuck is we just, uh, uh, maybe this is just an American thing, but we all need this perfect plan before we start to engage in things. Look, I'm not against planning. I'm not. But the plan that God gave Abraham he said, just pick up your stuff, your house and your home, all that you have, and I'm going, to, I'm going to take you to where I want you to go. And that was the plan. Look, could you imagine, I've just imagined saying, to, my wife and I lived overseas for a little while, and I remember saying to her, I think we should live overseas, and I gave kind of a plan like what God gave Abraham to my wife, and she's like, she said no, but she had a few adjectives that she added on to no. <laughs> But you get to a point where we look, look, like you take steps and God will show you the next step. So what you need to hear is that God is already at work all around you. He is the one that is pursuing people. He is the one that is breathing life into other people's lives. He is the one who is providing people for people in miraculous ways. It's not about you. We just need to be captivated by all this, by this life of faith rather than getting caught up in ourselves and that God is really inviting us into this new world. The second thing is, is really overflowing peace. You see this, the disciples, they're hiding. They're, uh, they're filled with fear. Uh, the doors are locked. And look, that's, that's, they're afraid when you're locking the doors. And, but look, somehow, Jesus finds a way in, Right? He's just going to find a way in, even when you're afraid. And I love the first thing that he says. He doesn't say, come on, you guys, like I've been telling you about this. I'm here. I've been raised from the dead. Come on, like just get it through your thick skulls. He doesn't, he doesn't say that. He has every right to. He says, peace be with you. And you can imagine the disciples are just like stunned. And Jesus, I just imagine, just with, filled with joy. You know what he says next? Peace be with you. He says it again. And then later on in the narrative, Jesus meets up with the disciples again. They're in the locked room. And what, guess what the first thing he says there? Not you fools. He said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And what we see is before Jesus even sends them out into the world, before he gives them this mission, he he just speaks his peace over their lives. And look, this is what, we need to hear this. We need to hear the peace of Jesus Christ is upon your life. There's someone here who's afraid and 
and stuck and locked away. And you just need to know that Jesus Christ, he's not angry with you. He's not frustrated with you. He isn't condemning of you. He is speaking peace over your life. He sees what you've done. And, and look, it's been, it's been taken care of. He took care of that on Friday. And now it's Sunday. And now he is just speaking peace over you. This overflowing, overflowing peace upon our lives. When I was a kid, uh, my, my parents, we, uh, we lived in this corner house. And we had a, in a corner house, you have a fire hydrant there. And uh, I was about 10 years old, and um, in our garage, for some reason, we had like a three-foot pipe wrench. And look, my dad doesn't know how to fix things. He just wasn't like a real handy guy. But that pipe wrench was in our garage. And as a 10-year-old, I was advanced. I knew that that pipe wrench could work for that fire hydrant on the corner of the street. <laughs> so I called a buddy of mine, and, and uh, we brought, you know, kind of lugged this thing out. And we got our, you know, measly little 10-year-old arms. And, and, and we were able to get the caps off this, this fire hydrant. And, uh, and we, you know, no YouTube videos back then, so we just had to figure this stuff out on our own, watching Sesame Street. And we, we, we started to, you know, open the valve on the top, and that was tough, uh, but we got it open, and, uh, and we started to see some water coming out. Now, we had this great idea um, that we should wrap our arms and our legs around this thing while the other person turns the valve on more and more. So that's what we did. And look, I am telling you, it, it, is the mo it was the most exhilarating, exhilarating experience of my life. And I'll neither confirm nor deny that I still do it every once in a while. <laughs> but look, when you have just hundreds of gallons of water pouring out upon you, in your face, in your chest, all over your body, and there's laughter, and there's just enjoyment. I mean, that is, that is overwhelming. And look, that is the kind of peace, the kind of peace that, that God is speaking over your life. It's overflowing. The outpouring of Christ's peace and his wholeness and his forgiveness and his blessing upon your life, it, 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 is, it is unending. And look, when you, as you begin to engage in good neighboring with the gospel in your hand, like you, you've got to know that. You've got to feel that. And you've got to experience that. Because really, kind of the way that it works is we're like cups. And when our cup isn't overflowing like the psalmist talks about, um, it, it just, you know, we're not, we don't really do anything. Like good neighboring with the gospel in your hands is about being just filled with grace and mercy and peace and goodness, so much so that it just, it just begins to pour out of you. It begins to pour out of you. And I love the way that the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, he, he talks about it. I mean, he's, he embodies this. He just says, Blessed be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And in Ephesians 1, he just goes on this rant. And he's ranting about um, how we've been made his children. He's ranting about how he's lavished, lavished grace and forgiveness upon our lives. That, 
that we've received this inheritance that is kept for us, that is guaranteed, that will last, that will be for us. And, and, and look, we just need to know that it's just going to keep pouring, it's going to keep flowing, and it's going to keep overwhelming us with this. And, and, and here's, here's why this is so important. Look, look you're never going to share the love of Christ. You're never going to engage in anyone else's life until you recognize how much Christ has poured out upon you. I mean, you just you need to be overwhelmed with the peace and the provision of Christ. I mean, and look, you need to know that your future, that your future is secure. It's secure. And look, look there's the way we think about our future affects the way that we live today. This is a great illustration of this. There's these two women. They both, this isn't a real story, but maybe it is. Um, these two women, they were both given a year-long job. And it was a hard job. It was tedious. Long hours, 80 hours a week. The first woman, she was promised $15,000 for her year of work. Second woman, she was promised $15 million. Now, even though these two women, they had these same, the same job throughout the year, like, I'm telling you that their experiences of, those jo- of that job were, were markedly different. I mean, that woman who's just getting $15,000 a year, I mean, you can guarantee, like, maybe there'd be a good day, but she's grumbling through. She's just grinding things out. She's complaining. Uh, look, maybe there's parts that were boring, and, and she made sure to express that uh, they're boring. And, and look, more than likely, she you know, probably made it three months and quit. But the other woman pulling in $15 million, dude, she is whistling while she's working. <laughs> I mean, she is loving it. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's tedious. Yes, there are long hours and it is challenging, but it's okay. Why? Because her mind and her body and her soul is just saturated with what is pouring out upon her life. And she's just saturated with the future. I mean, she is thinking about what she's going to do with $15 million. Look, and so what you believe about the future, I mean, it completely controls you completely controls about what you believe about now. And do you believe that Jesus Christ has promised you peace? He's promised you security. And he has promised to provide for you in unending ways. Do you believe that? Because that is, that is true. That is what's happening right now. It's overflowing peace and provision and wholeness upon our lives. And the third thing I want us to see is just the mission of God and the power that you have. Listen to this. Verse 21. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And Jesus isn't just talking to the disciples here. I mean, he's talking to us. Verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. Can you believe that? I mean, doesn't it almost sound like, wait, is Jesus preaching the gospel? 
like, is Jesus really putting uh, the power of, of forgiveness um, in our hands? I mean, in a way, he is. Look, he's the one who accomplished the forgiveness. I mean, it's his forgiveness that he's given us the power to extend. But make no mistakes, is he's locking arms with us. He's saying, look, my forgiveness is real. And the, the, the extent that you're, you're willing to extend that to others and to share that with others is the extent that they're going to experience that in their lives. Isn't that crazy? And I think it's, it's ridiculous, really. But this is the way that God works. He doesn't just save us, but he calls us and he sends us out into, into the neighborhood. If you were reading this in Latin, the word that's sent is actually missio. It's, it's mission. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, I am a missionary. Now all of you are missionaries too. And the shape of my life, Jesus is saying, is sentness. It's a part of who I am. I have a mission, and now my mission is the model for your life. And he just breathes on us, gives us the life we need to extend his kingdom into our neighborhoods, extend forgiveness, somehow partner with him into to revealing the new creation, new world um, existence that's happening all around us. He uses us. I, uh, this is, Pastor Chad was talking about just some of the opportunities here. I was just looking at these things. Look, I, I, look I, I'm a pastor, and so I'm always, yeah, I just saw these things, and I'm like, look, you want to enter into, like, good neighboring with the gospel in your hands, and you want to enter into this incredible life and this incredible world that God has all around us, look at these things. I mean, be more intentional about neighboring. Through neighborhood walks, chats, hospitality, learn how you can be. Front yard people. Just, uh, just the other week, um, the way we basically started our, our church was it was basically five or six families within a block of each other and kind of said, you guys want to start a church? And they're like, okay. And, uh, and, and so we do block parties and we just, uh, all these kinds of things. But, but we, we know everybody in our neighborhoods. We know their names. And uh, just the other week, um, guy around the corner, guy who I love dearly, his name's Bob, and, and uh, Bob, I've known him for a while, and I actually see Bob most often because I, I'll, I'll jog, and I have to go by his house to do it, and he's got these two massive dogs, they're the nicest dogs in the world, but they look like they're going to eat you, but Bob is always out there, and I've just gotten to know Bob, just kind of going by his house, and really, really the first time, one of the first times we got to know Bob is we, we were actually starting the church, and he said something about like, do you know they're like putting a church over in that community center down there? And I was like, no, I, I don't. Um, <clears throat> no, I didn't, didn't hear about that. And then I would just was like, let's, let's talk about something else. Um, and then Bob found out that I was the pastor of that church. <laughs> and, uh, um, and look, Bob, uh, like he's come, to, he's come to church, talk about the gospel, and, and uh, he's a little softer to it than he used to be. But but a couple of weeks ago, Bob had this fall, and he's been unconscious, unconscious since that fall. 
And what I saw is like uh, our, one of the neighbors down the street calling to say, hey, Kevin, do you see all the ambulances by Bob's house? And I said, no. Um, I called Bob. His son answers the phone and tells us what's happening. He says, he's in the hospital. We don't know if he's going to make it. Somehow Bob begins to, you know, they stabilize him. He has a tube in his a breathing tube. And, and then Bob, uh, we went and saw him a couple times and we, there's nothing there. But we began to see his kid, some of his kids were there and they're older. And we begin to see like, I think the kids are coming to Christ because we're willing to show up and, and love their dad. And just the other day, <clears throat> my neighbor, she calls me and she's like, hey, we need to go see Bob. He was put in this, you know, this kind of transition facility uh, before he's moved back home and he may not make it. And look, it was a Sunday afternoon. The Bears were about to play. I was tired. Um, you know, my kids, it, it, I was exhausted from a lot of things. And, and she just said to me, she's like, no, look, we need to go see Bob. Do you, pick me up and let's go. I was like, okay. And she basically called me out on like, look, you're into this good neighboring stuff and let's do it. So show up to see, and we see Bob and, and, uh, and he's, he recognizes us. He can't speak, but he sees us. And we just read scripture with Bob and tears start to flow down his eyes. I just ask Bob, can we pray for you? And, and he, you know, he, he'd do a little head nod. And, uh, and prayed for him, and, and you, could just, you could see that like, uh, he was connecting with us, and he was connecting with Jesus. And then this hard-hearted man, now all of a sudden, was, you could just see he's giving his life to Christ, that Jesus is doing something in there. And because we can't, he can't talk, we, we don't know what's going on. And well, Bob just got moved back to his house. And look, what we found out from his son is that Nobody in the past six weeks has had any interaction with him like that. Nobody. His sons haven't even been able to connect with him to say hi because he was just unconscious. For whatever reason, that moment we went in there, one of my neighbors made me go. You see heaven come down and glory begin to fill this man's life. I, look, I don't know all that that's what's happening. But what I do know is that God is doing something, and he's doing something good. And as tired and exhausted as I was, that was the, one of the most beautiful moments I've had in the past couple of years. And look, this is the kind of power that God has placed in your hands. He's given you that power. The question is, are you going to just hold on to it? Or are you going to step into this incredible life, this life of faith, where you, where you get to extend the kingdom and the glory and the goodness and the mercy of God right now. It starts with getting to know people's names in the front yard, things like the Christmas store, caring for vulnerable people around you in tangible ways. Like, look, check these boxes and do these things. If you don't know what to do, just, just check a box and get started. Because God's already doing it. And what you're going to see, you start to stack up day after day after day. You're going, to see, you're going to see God do incredible things that you never could have imagined. Right here. Right here in Streamwood. Right here in whatever street you live on, whatever neighborhood you're in, that you're going to see God work. Let me pray for us and then we'll continue on. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for giving us 
this mission. Thank you for your unending and overflowing peace upon our lives that isn't just this an idea, but it's, and it is something we can experience and we can know. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray um, in your name that each and every person here senses and knows that you're with them and that you're good and that whatever you've placed in their hands, and if they end up giving it away, you've got more for them. You are not a God who just gives scantily. You're a God who just pours and pours and overflows all that we need to experience you and to live out, to live into this great life that you've called us into. So we love you and we trust you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.